take your Bibles and let's go to Psalm chapter 119. Psalm chapter 119. We finished up a couple weeks ago our series Mastermind. Uh, but as we look at Psalm 119, and I think this will be a good study for us because it's something that you can kind of study yourself as well. Because there's so much in Psalm 119 that we'll never be able to get to it all. Um, and so it'll be an opportunity for you uh, to take some uh, time to study the Word of God yourself. So we're in Psalm 119. Look at verse number 1. Psalm 119 and look at verse number 1. The Bible says... I can get over there. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. Now it's commanded us to keep thy precepts diligently. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes. Then shall I not be ashamed when I have respect unto all thy commandments. I will praise thee with uprightness of heart when I shall have learned thy righteous judgments. I will keep thy statutes, O forsake me not utterly. And look at verse number nine. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. And so when you look at Psalm 119, and and certainly those of us that are familiar with our Bibles, we know some of the basic facts about Psalm 119. Um, If your Bible, uh, your Bible reading app, it's constructed like most, then you see that there are sections of eight verses and each of those have a heading. And there are 22 sections of eight verses, so 176 verses total. And each section is headed by a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So the section that we just read, verses 1 through 8, um, it should, at the top of that, say Aleph. And that is the first letter in the Hebrew alphabet. And that corresponds, if you were to look at uh, this chapter or read this chapter in Hebrew, every single verse in each of those sections would start with that letter. And so if we were to read verses 1 through 8 or look at them in Hebrew, we'd see that every single one of those verses started with the letter Aleph. And obviously we know it's the longest chapter in the Bible, and it's also in the longest book of the Bible. And I think that is significant, because as we also know, nearly every verse in Psalm 119 has some kind of reference to the Bible, to our relationship with the Bible, or something that we ought to do with the Bible, or something that we ought to let the Bible do to us. And one of the reasons why I want to spend a few weeks focusing on Psalm 119, thinking about Psalm 119, is because, you know, as we have finished talking about fighting the war of our minds, the battle of our minds, and we said that if we're going to win that, we're going to combat the lies that we allow ourselves to think, those strongholds. Uh, strongholds, prisons of deception uh, that we find ourselves entrapped in our minds, those negative neural pathways. If we're going to focus on truth, then we've got to make sure that our thoughts are taken captive by truth. Let's remember kind of some of the things that we've talked about. Hold your place in Psalm 119. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter number 10. 2 Corinthians chapter number 10. 2 Corinthians chapter number 10, and look at verse number 5. Casting down imaginations in every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity. Remember, we said that means to capture at the point of a sword. 
at the point of a sword, the sword of the Spirit, the truth of the Word of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, forcing our thoughts to focus on truth, to make sure that they are based on the truth of the Word of God. Go to Philippians chapter number 4, because we looked at this verse as well. Philippians chapter number 4 and verse number 8. Finally, brethren, Paul says, the last thing I want to bring to you, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on, focus on, Fix your mind on, your thoughts on these things. And, and we know that, that those things are all truth. Uh, all of those descriptions in verse number 8 have to do with the Word of God. There's nothing else that fits every single one of those descriptions except the Word of God. You know, the only way that we can get our minds right, we're going to win the war of our mind, uh, is to focus on truth. And let me say that truth cannot be truth that we come up with. It cannot be our own truth. It cannot be uh, the truth of the opinion of man, that man would speak. It must be the truth of the word of God. We know that Jesus said in John 17, 17, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And so the truth that we capture the thoughts of our mind with, making sure our, our thoughts are obedient to truth, must be based on the word of God. Can I say this to you? And this is that statement in your handout. We will not get our minds right until we get our minds in God's Word. We will not get our minds right until we get our minds in God's Word. And we said this before, but it's our responsibility to get it right. There's so much that God promises that He will do for us that only He can do for us, but there are some things that He gives us responsibility over. And one of those is making sure that our minds are right. Paul said, you think on these things. He said, you cast down imaginations and make sure every thought is in obedience to Christ. It's our responsibility. But thank the Lord, it's not have to be in our own strength. It doesn't have to be in our own power. It's not our own ideas of truth. We have the resource of the truth of God's word. And we've got to make sure we're focused on that. And I believe that as we have kind of transitioned out of talking about the struggle of our minds, and having to fight those negative thoughts. Um, I believe that that battle, that struggle with our minds reveals a disconnect from the Word of God. Uh, if we have a struggle to some degree, no matter how large or how small it is, we have a struggle with the thoughts of our mind, it reveals that we're not as close to God's Word as we ought to be. And I think all of us could say, yes, I need to have a stronger relationship with God's Word. But as we struggle with the thoughts of our mind, then that ought to be a sign to us that we're not in God's word like we ought to be. Uh, it's our responsibility uh, to make sure that we have that relationship. The word of God must be our first priority uh, when it comes to fighting the battle of our minds. You know, you'll read, um, you know, secular or, or human, uh, humanistic or, or just worldly philosophy about fighting the war of our minds. And you'll hear the term self-talk a lot. And that's important because I think the Bible does talk about how we speak to ourselves. Ephesians says that. Ephesians, Paul says, speaking to yourself. And you've got to make sure that the way that you speak to yourself is correct. But you've got to make sure that it's based on truth. That verse in Ephesians says, speaking to yourselves in Psalms. The scripture, the truth. 
And so if we're going to speak to ourselves, we're going to make sure that we believe truth, that it has to be based on the truth of God's word. You know, I want to love Jesus more and more. That's my goal for me, is to love Jesus. Um, that's my goal for you. That's my goal uh, for each of you, uh, for those in our ministry, for those that, uh, that I help disciple and teach, those believers. Uh, my goal is that they would fall in love with Jesus. That's what I want you to be able to do. That's my goal for each of you. That's my goal for me. So how do I fall in love with Jesus? Well, it doesn't happen by accident. It's like any other relationship. Uh, it doesn't happen just because we will it to be so. Uh, it happens because we get to know a person. You know, you fall in love with somebody, you get to know that person. You spend time with them. You talk to them. They talk to you. Um, we get to know Jesus by spending time with him. We know that. But part of him speaking to us is by getting into his word, by knowing his word, by making it close uh, to us, by obeying it and applying it. That is how we love Jesus. Love for Jesus is not an emotion. It's not a fuzzy feeling. It's not the right worship song. It's not a certain wardrobe style or using the right catchphrases. Loving Jesus is getting into knowing and following the word of truth that he's given to us. You know, he says that in John chapter number 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. Uh, if I abide in you and my word, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, uh, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. And so our relationship with the Lord comes from our relationship with his word. Uh, if I'm going to love Jesus more, then I'm going to love his word. If I'm going to love Jesus more, then it's going to be manifested, not just in the thoughts that I think, not just in the fact that I want to love Jesus more, but it's going to be manifested in the relationship that I have with his word. And, and I thought as, as, as we've looked at this war of our mind and wanted to love Jesus more, be closer to him and focusing on truth, what better way to do that than looking at Psalm 119? Because honestly, as you study this chapter, I believe that it reveals the heart of an author. And we don't know exactly who wrote Psalm 119. Uh, there's no, like many of the Psalms have uh, the author uh, mentioned. Uh, there's some kind of, uh, uh, it's attributed to somebody. Psalm 119 does not do this. So we don't know exactly who wrote Psalm 119. Could have been David, could have been Asaph who wrote many of the Psalms. Whoever it was, his heart uh, is very evident throughout the book of, or throughout this chapter. Uh, his heart of wanting to be close to the Word of God, have a relationship with Scripture. Um, you know, I, I think we see that through the personal nature uh, through so much of this chapter. As you study it out, there are 310 personal pronouns in Psalm 119 that refer back to the author. Now, it's only 176 verses, so he refers to himself a lot. Uh, 142 times he uses the word I, uh, 64 times he uses the word my, 89 times he uses the word me, 14 times he uses the word mine amongst others. Um, the second person, you, is only used 50 times, and every single time it is used, it's in refer reference to God. And I think what that tells us is we look through Psalm 119 and we look at the different ways he refers to the Bible and the different relationships that we're supposed to have with the Bible and in different situations, in, in his struggles, in his successes, uh, in his questions, in his answers, in victory and defeat. We find the heart of this author of the book of Psalms 
certainly under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but wanting to go back to the Word of God every single time. Um, you know, in every up and down, in, in, in mountains, in valleys, there is always a connection back to the Word of God. Because honestly, you go through each one of these sections, and we won't necessarily take time to point them out, but you can study out. There is a high point in each of these eight verses, and there is a low point. There's a positive, and there's a negative. And we find that in each one of these situations, and they always, in every single one of them, up or down, high or low, point back to the Word of God. Uh, we saw in, in uh, Philippians, Paul said, in everything, by prayer and supplication. So in everything, we're supposed to make sure that prayer is a part of our life, that every situation is based in prayer. We're focused on prayer. Well, I think from the example of Psalm 119, that in every situation, the Bible has some kind of connection. The Bible has some kind of application. Our relationship with the, with the Word of God must be important. And so why is it, and we said this when we talked about prayer, but why is it that we wait till the last possible option to speak to God and allow Him to speak to us? We, wait till, we, we exhaust every other resource. We look and search in every other open every other door, and then finally when we have nothing else, we decide, well, I'm going to go see what God says. When it ought to be our first. It ought to be our first choice and not our last resort. Um, you know, and it could be that we think that the Bible doesn't apply to us, that we don't see a direct application. It could be that we truly don't believe it or our faith is not as strong as it needs to be. It could be, as we said with prayer, that we don't think that God is big enough and we don't trust him enough. For whatever reason, we've got to make sure we examine our hearts uh, to have this relationship with the Word of God. So as we look, as we look at Psalm 119, there's so many thing, different things that we can pull from this chapter. We're never going to get to them all. 176 verses, just that alone um, is, is more than enough. But I want to look at the different parts of our relationship with God's Word that is, that is evident here in this chapter. Uh, you know, for each of us, uh, it'll be different. Our relationship with God's Word is going to be different. It's going to look different. Um, it'll speak to us in different ways. It'll meet, the Word of God will mean differently to you. And it'll mean differently to you now than it will in another situation. Uh, and that's okay because it can. Because the Word of God is a living thing. The Word of God is Jesus Christ. And so uh, in one situation, it'll mean one thing. You'll see one truth. In another situation, you'll see another thing. You'll see another truth. doesn't mean either one of them untrue. They're all true. And so it can mean so much to us in different ways, and, and, and it'll all be true and exactly uh, what God knows that we need it to be. And so as we look at Psalm 119, there are eight different references or words that are used uh, to describe God's Word. It doesn't always just use God's Word or Scripture. Um, and we find them all in these first nine verses that we just read. So let's look at them real quick. And then we'll get into the first one today. The first one we find is in verse number one, and it is the word law. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. The second one is in verse two. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies. Testimonies is a description of God's word. The third one in verse number three, they also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. Uh, way or ways is used throughout Psalm 119. Verse number four, thou hast commanded us to keep thy Precepts. Precepts is a description of God's word. Verse 5, oh, that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes. Excuse me, statutes. Verse number 6, then shall I not be ashamed when I have respect unto all thy commandments. 
Another description, verse number seven. I will praise thee with uprightness of heart when I shall have learned thy righteous judgments. Another description of God's word. And then lastly, in verse number nine, the end of that, by taking heed thereto according to thy word. There it's described as word or words. And each, every single one of these, although there's some connection in between all of them to each other, they have a different meaning and they show a different part of God's word. How it can be specific, how it can be unique in helping us focus our minds on truth. And so today, uh, let's focus on the first description of the first way that God's word is used, and that is the word law. The word law. So let me give you the description of law. It is the Hebrew word Torah, and it means a precept or statute. It most often refers to the Old Testament law the proper term for the Old Testament law. That's what people would think of. But in this place, it also comes from another Hebrew word, which is yara. I don't have this on here, but the second part of the definition is, and it's to teach. To teach. Yara means to flow as water, to rain, to lay or throw, to shoot an arrow, to point out, or to teach. You know, I think of a teacher in school. We've got a couple in here. And when you, you've got those long pointer thingies, you know, those long stick thingies, and you want to point something out, and you want them to know exactly what they need to focus on, you want them to know exactly what the answer is, you point right at it. There's no question. Maybe it has a finger on it. Maybe it has a little eraser thingy on it. I don't know. Uh, uh, whatever you have on there, but you point right at the answer. And to me, that's what the word law is referring to. It's pointing out exactly what we need to know. Uh, God's word is law. It is instruction. There is no wondering. It is clarity. It gives us direction in life. We know what is right and what is wrong. Uh, The law, God's word is law, is black and white. It is good and bad. The questions that we have about life can be answered if we spend enough time in God's word. Say, well, what about this specific answer? I I don't think God's word says anything to me about who I'm specifically supposed to marry or where I'm specifically supposed to work or where I'm specifically supposed to live. I promise if you spend enough time in God's word that he will give you the direction. He will point to the answer. Maybe not specifically in the pages of scripture, but as you develop your relationship with God's word, he will point it out to you. He will reveal it to you. He will show you the direction that you need to take. Law is used 25 times in Psalm 119. And so the first time we see it there is in verse number one. We're just going to kind of go through a little of these. And so if you look there, verse number one in your handout, blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. And so the law, thing that points out right and wrong, good and bad, the relationship that we're supposed to have with that, this verse says, we're supposed to walk in it, to walk in it, to follow those directions. Uh, to when, when God is pointing, when the word of God is pointing at something, we're supposed to walk towards it. You know, there's supposed to be action. There's supposed to be life that is lived as we follow God's word through the word of God. And God says, as we do that, 
We have that relationship and we understand and we follow and we're yielded to what God's word is pointing out to us as right or wrong. The result of that is found in the first word. And I love that the first word of Psalm 119 in all reference to God's word, the first word is blessed. Blessed. If you have your Bible or you want to write or do whatever, or if you want to put this in your handout, blessed means happy. Means happy. You see the word blessed, and it's used like this, or we think of the Beatitudes that Jesus uses in Matthew. It's just meaning to be happy. So God says for the person who walks in the direction that I'm pointing, that my word is pointing towards right, away from wrong, following the direction, following the instruction, following the teaching that my word offers, there is happiness in that. There's confidence in that. Uh, There is security in that. Uh, contentment, satisfaction. And so I'm so thankful that God starts off a chapter that focuses on his word with a reminder that says, hey, if you will follow this, if you will uh, watch and, and look and follow and go where I'm pointing, where I'm instructing, there is happiness in that. The second verse I want to point out is verse number 18 that uses the word law. Verse number 18, familiar vo- verse, voice, uh, familiar verse to many of us, verse number 18 says, open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Wondrous things out of thy law. One of my favorite descriptions of God and of his word is the fact that it is wondrous or wonderful. And uh, he uses the word again in in verse number 129. He says, thy testimonies are wonderful. And... uh, I love that word wonderful. And my my favorite definition of what the word wonderful is as it's used in the word of God is to obviously wonderful is something that makes you full of wonder. Well, what is wonder? That's amazement at something that is new. That's a novelty that we've never seen before. And I think one of the most amazing things about the word of God and about God himself is that he is wonderful, that it is wonderful, that it is always fresh and new. You want to think about something about God and about his word is that it'll never cease to amaze you. Every time you go to the word of God, you will find something new. You'll find something new. Uh, I don't know how many times I've read Psalm 119, probably less than other chapters in the Bible, but uh, as many times as I've read Psalm 119 and God's still speaking to me about it. Every time, you could read the same verse every single day And with a heart that is open and ready to receive what the Holy Spirit has for you, God could speak to you in a different way every single time with it. It is wonderful. It is fresh and new. Not brand new as if it never existed before now, but new as in we haven't seen it or known until now. That's what I love about God. You know, we sing songs about how he's wonderful. Uh, His name is wonderful. We know that from Isaiah. Uh, We know in, in Lamentations, he says his mercies are new every morning. They're always fresh and new. And again, there's always something new from God's word for us every time we go to it. We'll never exhaust the storehouse of truth that is God's word. No other book, no other resource, no other set of instructions uh, can, uh, can we go to that we can get something new every time we read the same thing. You know, and, and, it, and it won't happen just because we read it or try to study it ourselves. 
That verse says we have to ask to be open, our eyes to be open, our eyes uh, to be uh, 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 removed, or distractions to be removed from our eyes and gone away so that we can see what God has for us. And so uh, we have to walk in the law of the Lord, follow that direction, happiness will be there. We always get to see something fresh and new every time we go there. Uh, And as uh, the psalmist uses uh, the word law, he uses different descriptions of his relationship. Um, we won't take time to go into them all, but let me just give you a few of them. In verse 29, he asked God to grant it to him. Verse 34, he asked for understanding to keep it and observe it with his whole heart. Verse 44, he desires to keep it continually forever and ever. Verse 51, he declares that he hasn't declined or bent away from it. He hasn't leaned away from God's word, trying to get away from it, in spite of those who may have mocked his stand for truth. In verse 53 and 136, his righteous anger and grief, uh, because it is forsaken by so many. Look at verse number 61. This is one that I did want to point out. Not necessarily in your handout, but look at verse number 61. Three different times the psalmist makes this statement about the law. He says uh, in verse 61, the bands of the wicked have robbed, robbed me, but I have not forgotten thy law. He says that again in verse 109 in verse 153. You know, I don't know about you, but I have a terrible memory. Awful. I mean, if you told me something this morning or asked me to do something, I have probably forgotten. So I apologize if you did. Uh, but I just have a bad memory. I have to write things down or I'm going to forget. And I think for all of us, it's easy to forget things that are important. Um, the Word of God cannot be something that we forget. That word forget that he uses in these verses talks about misplacing it. Putting it, you know, in somewhere in our minds that we can't get back to easily. It's not easily accessible. Um, We cannot be oblivious to the law of God, to what he's trying to point out to us as right or wrong, the direction that he gives us in life. And, uh, you know, I think this is unfortunately where so many of us miss it. We sincerely ask for God's direction in life. We want him to lead us. We want him to guide us. We want to know what is right or wrong or sincere. But for most of us, we have taken the law of God and we have put it somewhere in our mind that we have forgot. We have put it somewhere in a filing cabinet, way in the back, some dusty old closet. And that's where the direction is. That's where God's pointing us, the truth that God wants to see. But we have forgotten. God says, I've given you the law to point out what I want you to do, and yet you have forgotten its importance and become oblivious to its instruction. And that's why we miss it. You know, we see that in verse 105, that the word, he uses the word, uh, is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So we've got to make sure we don't forget God's word. Quickly, before we leave, let me give you two other relationships that repeat themselves with this term law. And we'll see them again in other descriptions of God's word, but and I want to just look at them quickly here before we leave. The first one uh, is the word delight. And we find it in verse 174. Several times he uses uh, the phrase, thy law is my delight. Thy law is my delight. And the Hebrew word for delight is sha'ah. And it means to look upon, to please or amuse yourself with. Basically, it's something that makes you happy when you see it. You know, to think in your life, the one thing or things that when you see it, when it's put before you, you are happy. You know, maybe it's your favorite meal. And it's set before you. 
You know, you order at a restaurant or your mom makes it for you and it's set before you and you are just happy. I mean, you are content. You are ready to go to town. Uh, maybe if you're, uh, if, you're, if you're dating somebody and you, you feel your phone vibrate and you, you pull it open and you see a text or a phone call from somebody and that makes you happy. Uh, maybe it's Facebook memories, those of you that have Facebook, and you, you had a special event a couple years ago and you see those pictures pop up. Uh, sometimes this guy, there was one today or yesterday that popped up for me a very long time ago. Uh, some things I don't want to remember. Uh, <laughs> happy, happy thoughts are not always the case with Facebook memories. But when you see it, you're happy. When you see it, it makes you happy. There's, there's pleasure in when you see it. And God says, that is what my word ought to be. When God's word is opened, when we see a verse of scripture, we think about the word of God, it ought to be delight. Oh, man, the Bible. I'm so happy. There's pleasure in that. He uses it several times in, in verse number seven. He says, I delight in thy law. Verse number 77, thy law is my delight. Verse 92, unless thy law had been my delights, I should then have perished in my affliction. Uh, verse uh, 174, thy law is my delight. He uses, uh, it's used in other places in the Psalms as well. Psalm 1-2, the blessed man, again, from verse number 1 in Psalm 119, the successful man, the happy man, delights in the law of the Lord. In his law doth he meditate day and night. To focus on, we're, we're, we're happy, we're, we're pleased with God's word, we're pleased with truth. It makes us happy and we focus on those thoughts of truth. And so we need to delight, we need to be happy uh, with God's word. And then the, the second one, and we'll be done, we'll close with this. The second one is love. Verse 97 says, oh, how I love thy law, it is my meditation all the day. And we know that. We're, we know we're supposed to love God's word. What exactly does that mean? The word love here in Psalm 119 is the Hebrew word ahab, and it means to have affection for. And it's a very intimate term, uh, to have a close, deep, personal connection to someone or something. To have that, that, that relationship that is just close, that's special. Verse 97, I love how uh, he uses those words right there. He uses that interjection, oh, oh, there's passion there. There's, 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 there's feeling, there's emotion there. The exclamation point, and there's passion. Oh, how I love thy law. Oh, how I love it. Uh, and then obviously followed by the declaration of meditating on it, his thoughts, it is my meditation all the day, all my thoughts. I just want to be focused on God's word, the relationship that he has uh, here. Verse 113 says, I hate vain thoughts, but thy law do I love. Verse 163, I hate the poor lying, but thy law do I love. The, the opposite of lies and deception and truth, loving truth. Verse 165, great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. You know, when you love someone or something, you want to get to know them. You want to have a relationship with them. Um, you're falling in love. You develop that relationship. You want to get to know them. You know, I remember when I was, when I was dating my wife and uh, a long time ago, almost nine years married. And uh, I remember. I'm good. All right. I'm good for a couple more weeks until it happens. Uh, when I remember when I was dating her 
and uh, in school and when I had to work or we were in class or uh, even when uh, for the last semester when she wasn't at school, we were separated. I, I remember looking forward to the times that we would be able to get together. Looking forward to the times that we would be able to talk, have a conversation, have a meal together, uh, just enjoy a life together, get to know each other. And, and I think about you know, our relationship with God's word and that love that we're supposed to have for it, the delight that we need to take in it. Do we have that? Do we love the Bible? Do I love the Bible like that? Do I look forward to the time when I get to come back to God's word? when I get to open it again, when I get to study it again? Do I look forward to finding the next truth? Uh, just like I look forward when we were dating to finding the next thing I didn't know uh, out about my wife, do I look forward to finding the next thing I don't know from God's word? Do I look forward to seeing the next direction that the Holy Spirit wants to point me in? Point me the truth, the law. You know, I think for many of us, the honeymoon is over with the Bible. We've got to rekindle our love. We've got to get back to where we anticipate, where we look forward to, where it brings us happiness and joy, where the word of God ought to be a first love of a Christian. So as we leave it today, let me remind you, boy, how do I love Jesus? I fall in love with his word. I fall in love with his word. Let me encourage you to do that.